Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listen and grow as Dell questions the status quo, encourages you to think differently, and empowers you to make a better life. Get ready as Dell challenges core beliefs, seeks the truth, and reveals the roadmap to the lifestyle you really want. And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, is Tell Del Tuesday, and with us is probably one of the most successful, uh, if you count success as being all things in life, not just money, but one of the most successful members I've had. And he's got an incredible story that we want to share today. This gentleman has won over 30 awards from the Houston Apartment Association, the National Apartment Association, the Texas Apartment Association. Uh, he has uh, won eight times been the Houston's best and brightest place to work for his employees and five-time winner of the City of Tomball uh, Property Management Company of the Year. That only begins to scratch the surface to how successful this individual has been. He's bought one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different apartment complexes, a single family home, and he's done all that and just in his early 30s. This is an incredible story. Mr. John Boriak, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Thanks, Dale. Good to talk to you again. I can't do you justice on the intro, John. I'm sorry, but uh, it's just too much to get all in there. But let's say this today. What I'd like to do with you is I think your story needs to be broken up into three parts. And the first part is for people who never heard of you before and the story about your youth and how your father allowed you to progression to entrepreneurialism as a option as opposed to going directly to college. And then the second, you know, that's the good one. Then the second one is best product, best price, moral operations theories uh, and how you've used those to be successful and come out of uh, an area of investing when other people had gotten overly aggressive, possibly even greedy, and made major mistakes that have made a lot of people or have put a lot of people in problems. And then the next segment I want to talk about is, are you getting prepared? Are you ready for this new marketplace that's going to just be unbelievable and opportunistic? So that's what I'm going to walk you through today. Let's start out with the beginning of your story. How did your family do it differently than everybody else's did when they came to bringing you up and putting you into the business world? Yeah, I was blessed with uh, an awesome family, incredible parents, and uh, it's a it's a cool story where um, you know growing up we were we were comfortable doing things outside of the norm and, and kind of rethinking the what people would maybe consider to just be defaults. You know, example of that is growing up, we chose to, uh, or we, we were homeschooled growing up. My, my, uh, my mom was a veterinarian. My dad was a, a successful business owner. And um, despite uh, my mom's having a, you know, eight-year degree to be a veterinarian, she chose to give up her practice to homeschool me and my siblings. And so that started us out on a path of already kind of being outside the norms. Uh, my dad being a business owner, you know, being self-employed, not having that uh, that that W-2 boss to report to, um, made us comfortable with thinking re- rethinking what people would consider defaults. So, when I graduated high school and it came time to think about what was next, uh, my parents proposed the idea of you know they had saved up some money for my college, and they said you know we, if you want to go to a brick and mortar college and 
and uh, go that route, that's great. You're you're more than welcome to. Um, but just to, to something to think about, another option could be using that college fund to start some kind of business with. And my family had no experience in real estate or anything really outside the steel business. And uh, but I didn't especially love studying, and so the uh, the idea of um, starting some kind of business and getting some real world experience sounded appealing, and, and decided to um, pursue that route. Again, not having necessarily real estate on the trajectory there, but just started kind of looking around and praying about where the Lord wanted us to to focus our, our efforts there. And through a um, connection at I think it was my dad's office, actually we heard about lifestyles came to kind of the, the introductory class there and learned about what uh, it was all about and was got really excited about the potential of the real estate industry in general and especially the quality of the education, training, and networking available at Lifestyles. So, you know, joined and dove straight in. I think we made an offer on a single-family rental home the night after that introductory two-day class and uh, and went, went pretty hard from there. So, um to summarize a long story, bought eight single-family homes pretty quick. This is in 2007, 2008, when there were, everything was foreclosures um, right after the financial crisis. And I got to learn as a 19-year-old, a 20-year-old, what it meant to close a real estate deal and renovate a property and talk to renters and lease out a property. And I was out there you know, at the homes just swinging hammers and learning on the job, which you don't have to do to be a real estate investor. I had no life experiences at 19 years old. I needed to get my hands dirty. And so learned the real, the basics of the real estate business on, on single-family homes at first. And then after about a year of doing that, realized this thing has some potential. Uh, we really wanted to go all in. And so transitioned from the single families into a 50-unit apartment complex in a, a not-so-great part of town. And I got to uh, have my, um, my suburban Christian homeschool bubble uh, popped real fast <laughs> running a property uh, and it's a very different area of town than what I grew up in. And it was, uh, it was, yeah, I was on, on site, um, almost every day for a few years. Um, I ended up getting a, um, a business management degree completely online. Um, during that time I would kind of go work in the apartment complex all day and go study all night. And I'll emphasize again, this is not necessarily the model that everybody needs to, to follow. And it's certainly not what lifestyles teaches, but again, I was 20 years old. This is a great opportunity for me to learn the business from the ground up, get my hands dirty, understand all the facets of the operations, and run this 50-unit apartment complex um, for for four years. And I would go to every class, every um, education opportunity that Lifestyles offered, and then would get to the next day, go to work, and implement the lessons that were learned and the tidbits that I had learned from other mentor. I mean, other, yeah, other mentors and other owners that are in the group. And uh, people who were so willing to share information and take me under their wing, and I immediately had that that medium to go implement it and and learn more. Um, so that went well. Um, and then fast forward four years, I learned the business. I had met a lot of great contacts through Lifestyles, and then I decided to become uh, what what we call a, a lead investor, um, and then the market would call a syndicator, where I will pull, you know, talk to a bunch of other families get us to pull all our money together, and then I'd be the lead investor that goes and purchases a larger deal, and that was in 2012. So after, you know, and a few years later, we sold the 50 unit, sold off all the houses, and I have been a, a lead investor um, ever since, and I've grown to um, have now six properties, a little over 1,500 units um, currently, 
and an incredible staff, a great track record, fantastic properties, and, and it's truly a, a, a life that I could, could not have dreamed about at the beginning of this journey. Well, I attended uh, your meeting the other day, uh, online meeting, so I saw that none of your properties were in trouble and that you had thought out uh, very carefully ways to make sure you were going to get through whatever tough times that came about. Um, as we, we look at this, I want to go now into the segment about uh, your your management principles. And uh, I've lost a word out of my vocabulary. I can't come up with it. Maybe you can come up with it easily for me. But the concept that in every business transaction, there is more than one set of people that are involved. You've got your investors who you have a responsibility to, uh, yet you take it into account that there is a customer. And I call this best product, best price. Uh, the customer is important. You've got to make sure the customer is getting their product and price ratio that makes sense. But you also take into account the employees. And, of course, I take into account the vendors, and so do you. So you've got all of these different interests involved into this transaction. It's making every person in this group should be making every person in this group happier. You should have happy investors, you should have happy employees, you should have happy customers, and you should have happy vendors. This is the way the business world should work. Not everybody does it that way, John. You have. That's why you can sleep at night. That's why when you have your meeting yesterday with all these, you know, 1,500 units, you don't have any problems. Share with people how you see that uh, on all aspects of it. We don't have a long time, so you're going to have just generically across all four segments of people. Sure, yeah. Every, you know, uh, something I talk about all the time with, my, with our team is there are some people who do business thinking that in order for me to win, someone else has to lose. And uh, we just don't have that mentality. You know, in, a, in a good deal, it should be a win, 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 win scenario, and everyone's lives should be better because of it. Um, you know, we're, we always want to make sure we are um, looking out for the interests of our investors, over-communicating with them. Reporting is on time and on point and, and uh, thorough every time, so they feel like they have a good handle of what's going on. At the same time, um, with our renters, we want to do things that enhance their lives and make an impact on them far beyond just a roof over their head. And that is a noble endeavor in and of itself, and providing that housing stability can be very important. But we have such an opportunity to do things like providing after-school kids' clubs and child care um, and you know, bringing out, partnering with nonprofits to bring out health care services and other educational opportunities and computer classes and things like that where they are you know, benefiting because they live at one of our communities. And that feeds into a really purpose-driven um, employment experience or job for our employees. Uh, we try to see people as what as just that, people with families and uh, you know, backgrounds and needs far beyond a paycheck. And when you value, see that person um, who is really giving their lives to the betterment of your company, it behooves you to take care of them in a very holistic manner. Um, and so we provide um, a lot of flexibility with scheduling as you know, schools canceled or summer hours are different. We try to involve families in a lot of our team events we do, um, providing that sense of purpose for our team members. So they're, they're not just waking up and clocking in for a paycheck, but they actually are making a positive impact in people's lives and taking care of them um, as a whole person. Um, and when you kind of look at all the different segments of, you know, our, our, our call stakeholders in our business, we, it's very important to take care of each one of them. If you do that well and enough over time, it is just a formula for success. 
Yeah, and it's a, it's a very, very important point. I gave two seminars yesterday, John, which I'm going to bring up in the next segment, uh, that were both about win-win and win-lose scenarios. And uh, one of the things that came up was I had mentioned your name uh, about the fact that you were uh, arranging and trying to figure out um, how much of a financial cushion you needed to save up. And one of the points that came out, I just want to share with you because I may not get an opportunity to speak to you about it. But one of the things that came out was to say, don't forget about the passives that invested in the deal. You need the financial cushion, but hey, throw a few bucks, you know, (laughs) throw a few bucks each quarter out to these people so they realize there's still somebody's thinking about them because some of them live off that money. So I just wanted to bring that point up. They are part of that group of four people there that need to be taken care of. And you're right. We need to have we need to have um, cash. There's no doubt about it. But I've seen some leads now that have gone cash hungry and they've got way too much money in the bank and nobody's getting any distributions. And, yeah, that makes them sleep at night real, real well. But it also makes the other people not sleep at night. So I just want to bring that point up to you. I'm sure you've thought of that and uh, it's worked out for you now. You've gone through so many things. Being president of the Houston Apartment Association got you out there. You're involved. You're all around. Till now, all the stakeholders were winners, including the sellers, because maybe they had bought a property and they bought it for ten thousand a door, and now they were selling it for thirty thousand a door, and you were buying it thirty, and you were taking it up to fifty. And the next group of people bought it for fifty, and they took it up to sixty. And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So when you were buying and selling, you didn't have to be aggressive to the other party. When we come back, John, we're going to talk about a win-lose world where one or the other is going to win that negotiation. We'll be right back with John Boriak and the Del Wamsley Radio Show. to creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Del Wamsley Radio Show returns in moments. Your challenge is that you don't believe you can be rich, is that you don't believe you can retire within five years. That's half of your challenge. And until you can come up with that belief system, until you can reconcile that in your mind, you won't be willing to take the steps necessary to get there. So you need to get in here and meet some people. Join us for the next free workshop and meet the people at Lifestyles Unlimited that will share Dell Walmsley's belief system and empower you to take the steps you need to be successful. Register at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. You're hearing the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more life-changing knowledge? Access our podcast and listen on demand at lifestylesunlimited.com under the radio tab. Now your host, Dell Wamsley. Welcome back to Dell Wamsley Radio Show. With me here today is one of the most successful lifestyles members I have because he's successful across all aspects of life, which means it's not just financial, it's not just business. His family's incredible. His religious belief system structures well in place. This is a all well-rounded young man and has been doing this since 19 years of age. Very successful. Won many many awards, Nash, both local 
Texas and National Apartment Association Awards, been president of the Houston Apartment Association, and on and on and on and on. This, the story goes on. As we come back here, we've talked about the fact that he's built up this large portfolio uh, since his young age and has been doing a really good job of operating it and staying out in front of the marketplace. So now, John, I'm going to throw some stuff at you, and I'm just curious to see what you say, because it's it's going to be interesting to me. Um, this is for my own edification, to, to see how you're going to rationalize this, because maybe you'll have a better way of rationalizing it than I do. But the bottom line is, almost every deal we're looking at right now, the property we're buying is worth less than what the mortgage debt is on the property, which means that the original owner the seller in this situation is basically going to have to take a haircut all the way down to nothing or debt plus a little bit just to get out of the deal to pay off all the bills and so forth to get out. Um, That is not a win-win. And I know you'd like to call it a win-win because you're helping them out of a bad situation. And that's an easy way to rationalize it. Hey, I'm helping them out of a really bad situation here. But the bottom line is when you're negotiating, what's going to happen is I'm just going to give you a set of numbers. Somebody wants $20 million for something that they paid, you know, $17 million for. The debt on the property is $15 million, $16 million. And uh, you're saying, no, it doesn't work. And they'll go, but I'll give it to you. Okay, I'll renegotiate. I'll give it to you for $18 million. And if you're smart, you're going, it still doesn't work at $18 million. The bottom line, it works at about a number that just about gets you out of your debt. And uh, that's about it. And how do you deal with that in your mind, John? Because, you know, I know you've always been a win-win kind of person, but there literally has to be a win-lose. Every dollar you get it down towards being a realistic deal, it's taking a dollar out of their equity they put into the deal. How do you rationalize that, or do you? Well, it's important to always look at, um, think about your kind of internal motivations there. You know, the, the market is what the market is, and the property's worth what the property's worth. And me being greedy or not greedy or aggressive or not aggressive doesn't change that. The, the price is what the price is. I think the more important thing to focus on is as I'm going into these negotiations and um, trying to find the right, the right deal for us, am I, am I being a man of integrity that sticks by what I say and I'm not trying to lock something up at a certain price and then renegotiate at the last minute? Um, I'm not trying to lead a, lead a seller on and then you know, do a bait and switch of any kind. The, the price is what the price is, and that's what the market is willing to pay. And if it's a you know, deal that works, then it, then it does, but numbers don't lie. Um, I'm not being excessively aggressive with my expectations uh, for yield on what I want these properties to produce. I've got kind of the same metrics that I've had for years and years and years. You know, I'm going to underwrite something with in today's interest rates, with today's expenses, and I just want to see something that's going to be able to produce like a you know, mid to high single digits return. I want something that's going to kick out a 6%, 7% return. Um, and that whatever price is at the top of that spreadsheet, that's what that is. And so I think it's more important to think about, you know, these tough times like what we're in right now, anytime there's a big market reset, which this is not the last, the first time this has happened, it won't be the last. Whenever there's a tough time like this, um, th- these, these eras 
are what create the legends of our industry. And you talk to people like people who have who's, you know name is on the sides of buildings at the apartment association and you know these these legendary previous presidents. They were guys who were in the thick of it in like the 80s and the 90s during downturns and oil busts and things like that. And uh, there were guys that that came through it with tenacity and integrity and with their head held high. And now they have kind of their their reputations um, enshrined for doing so with integrity. And obviously getting your name on the side of the building is not the ultimate goal. But my point is uh, we're in a time right now where – in future years, we're going to be looking back and think who who were the players then, who did what they were supposed to do, who stuck to their word, who cr- tried to create as many win-win scenarios as possible. And there's going to be some people that, that lose deals and lose money and are selling for the, just the debt on the property or even less. Um, that's I don't think there's that's something that's, that's wrong to buy by any means, that the market is what the market is. But I think you can still handle the transaction graciously and you know, be someone who is um, who comes out on the other side and everybody in the transaction is thinking, I wouldn't mind doing business with that guy again. have to totally agree. And as usual, you're eloquent in your delivery of that. Um, that's the same thing I've run into because I've already been in those negotiations. I've already started buying some of these things. And you're right. You know, to be able to tell the guy, look, I know the guy in front of me is telling you he's going to do more. He's going to pay more. Sorry. Uh, but, you know, he isn't because when he gets down to the financing, when he gets down to the, the bottom line, when he goes to try to raise the capital as a syndicator, he's going to find out that deal isn't going to shake out unless he comes down to the price I'm at. So I'll be happy to sit here and wait for you. And I've waited and I've had him come back to me. Now, I'll tell you what did happen, which is a little embarrassing for them, is that I made offers um, a year, six months, a year ago, and the market moved again against them. You know, the interest rates kept going up. And so I said, you know, I'm not going to go to that price. If you got a guy that give you that price, go ahead. But I bet he, <clears throat> bet he bails and, and tries to retrade you, just like you had mentioned, you know, the, uh, the low integrity move. But when they came back to me and said, okay, are you willing to do the price you offered? I said, you know what? I can't now. The market's moved again. It's even lower. And so I, I moved the cheese, as they call it. You know, somebody moved my cheese. Yep, I moved the cheese. And uh, then they had to rethink it. And that's going to be some of the problems you're going to run into, John. Is that sometimes I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a, a real-life example. While we are on this call right now, I just got a text message from a broker that I've been talking with for over a year on a deal. And a year ago, we were looking at a deal, and the seller wanted $25 million. I ran the numbers. I said, man, I can do 22 That's the lowest I could do. And they kind of laughed at it and moved on down the line. We reconnected a year later. And they ended up having to take an offer for $22 million from somebody else. And that buyer um, fell apart in the final hour. Now they have a loan expiring in a month, and they are having to fire sale the deal. And they came back to me saying, hey, we're ready to take your 22 And I said, uh-uh, it ain't 22 anymore. It's more like 18 And I think they're having to, you know, they're, they're bumbling around trying to find somebody to pay them at least what the debt is worth on the property. Uh, but because they weren't willing to, you know, take that price at that time, now they're in a real tension. They have to do a fire sale. Excellent. That's exactly the story I was trying to share with you. And I've gone through the exact same thing. So, you know, there it is. You know what's happening and you realize you can't let your emotions, you know, come to play here. You have to just make business decisions. So that's good. How do you see this working out for you? What do you how do you plan to take advantage of the possibility of growing your ministry? I chose that word carefully, John. Because I think what you do in life is everything you do in life and 
most people, if you believe in ministry, is your ministry. It's how you deal with people. You're now going to have more employees, more customers, more vendors, and more investors. To me, that's your ministry. How do you see you growing your ministry over the next, you know, year and a half, two years, where there's going to be so much opportunity? Yeah, I think it's going to be a really exciting time. As I look back, especially thinking about all the deals I passed on 10 or, or 9 or 12 years like 12 years ago, uh, or hell, even five years ago, thinking all the deals I passed on that would have made so much money and thinking, oh, I should have bought that, I should have bought this. Well, now I'm, we're getting in a big old price reset down that is going to make a lot of those opportunities available again. It's, it's exciting. You know, I talked to a, a very experienced um, investor a while ago, and we were just uh, chatting about you know the market and what was happening. And he, he told me, he said, John, you know, most people that get in this business get to experience like two market cycles, two big resets, things like the 2008 financial crisis and what like a, a cycle like I think we're about to go into right now. Most people get to experience two. If you're, if you're lucky, you get to experience three. And every one of those, you should be able to create a lot of wealth and opportunity in that and expand your ministry, like you said. But he told me, like, you starting at, you know, talking about myself, you know, since I started at 19 in the middle of the 2008 uh, cycle, I have a chance of experiencing like four of these potentially in my life, in my lifetime, in my career, which is really exciting. And, you know, it, it's, uh, it's something where we're, I'm saving up a lot of, uh, of cash and prepping investors and building a lot of our systems internally to get ready. I don't, I don't think we're there yet. I don't think the shoe has dropped yet. It's getting there. The dam hasn't broken yet. I don't know exactly when it will, and I don't know how long it'll last, but I want to be ready. So we're, we're really refining our operations. We're clarifying our goals internally. We're getting ready to be able to grow at a rapid pace and building the infrastructure so we can grow well and smart and not, you know, get out over our skis. And it's exciting to think we got we got to we need to buy some things, and they don't have to make a ton of money in a year or two, or you know we need, but we want to buy properties. We're focused on buying properties that are going to be in areas of town and are built in such a way that we wouldn't mind owning them for ten years if need be. I'm not saying we're going to, but we want to we want to have that as a in the back of our mind as a rough criteria. And I threw out that number because. If you go back for as long as apartment values have been tracked, you know, into the, I think, 50s or 60s, there is no 10-year period where apartment values um, have gone down, where you wouldn't have made money from one period, fast forward 10 years to the next. If you are able to hold a property for at least 10 years, and that's longer than a lot of times you need to, but if that's your backup policy, if you could hold it for 10 years, there's no period in the last 50, 70 years when you would have lost money. And so I think it's real important to kind of buy with that mindset. And, and you may be able to flip it in, in a year or two and make great money. That's awesome. Do that. But buy in, I'm, my, my personal criteria is I want to buy in an area and buy a type of deal that I wouldn't mind owning for a decade if I need to, to kind of get me through a cycle. And um, that's that's kind of my, my focus and thinking going into it is I don't know exactly when the the wave of opportunities is going to come, if it's going to be like that, or I don't know if it's going to last six months or six years. But we're preparing now in that we're stockpiling cash, we're prepping our investors, and we're building our infrastructure internally as a company to be able to take advantage of the wave when it does come. You know, I think the most important one of those that you're speaking about is probably infrastructure, because... Mm-hmm operations get exponentially more complicated. And I know you know that from the the growth you've had. Uh, It really does. But I've seen you've worked 
really diligently on your infrastructure. You believe a lot in staff development and so on, employee development, so forth. So that's really good. Um, it is going to happen. It's going to happen within the next six months to a year now. I've been you know, telling people it's coming, don't know when, but now we know when. We know it's directly related to these mortgages that are falling prey within the next 12, 24 months, 36 months at the longest. And that's when we're going to need to be prepared. And I think you're going to be one of the, the ones out there that are going to end up a leader in this industry because of this. So I'm really excited for you. Uh, anything else you want to talk about in the future? What? What's going on? I haven't talked to you in a while. The family, friends, anything else that's important? Man, I, I think I think we've covered it. You know, I think the um, I'll just reiterate again. It can be really tempting in a time like this to just buy, buy, buy as fast as you can. And I will just reiterate to the audiences again. Remember, bigger is not better. Better is better. Think of a number now. Think I want to get to this size. I want to get. I want to get here. I want to get there. Otherwise, you'll never find a ceiling, and enough will never be enough. You know, my goal is I want to get to about double the size I am now. I have 1,500 units. I would love to to get to where I'm, you know, have two to 3,000 units and then just kind of buy and sell with the market to maintain that level because I think that's where we can accomplish our, our ministry, like you said, the best. And so that's, that's the goal is, you know, start with the end in mind, figure out where you want to be, and then take advantage of the waves when they come. Well, looks like we're coming to a break. I'm going to thank you for coming on today and sharing your story. And the rest of you out there, remember this. It's not the money. It's the lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. Listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more of Dell's unconventional wisdom? Go to lifestylesunlimited.com and click the radio tab. Listen to past shows, hear podcasts on demand, and find out how you can change your life today. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show is part of the Lifestyles Unlimited Radio Network. The information and opinions you hear on the Dell Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Dell Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Dell Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Dell Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.